Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Good evening, I'm Dave Marish. My partner Lee Thompson is in Prince George's County tonight where the death of hometown boy Len Bias has hit particularly hard. We'll check in with Lee a little later in the broadcast, but first, Pat Collins has more on the circumstances surrounding Len Bias's sudden death in a live report from the University of Maryland. Pat? Dave, if you had to You've been listening to Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Right up there on that Our podcast is available on the Center Court Network. is presented by the Winner Circle Network in conjunction with the Center Court Family Foundation by the Winner Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation. For more information, log on to SampsonFamilyFoundation.org/McDonald. Empower, educate. Teamwork makes the dream work. Welcome into Center Court on the Winner Circle Network. I'm Mac McDonald. He's Ralph Sampson, and today a very special show as we go back into the '80s. June 19th, 1986, and Ralph, I know you remember the legacy of one Len Bias. Yeah, Mike, uh, you know, tragic story, you know, Coach Giselle and University of Maryland, and he had to seek the ability, the mentality, drafted them one pick to the Boston Celtics, you know, but, you know was going to play with Larry Bird and Kevin McHale and Robert Parrish and the crew. So he either had a great cast of characters that would batch to play with in the chief of the game of basketball, and the story is amazing as far as what happened and this guy, our guest today is going to even tell us more about it because he has this great podcast and all that stuff. He talks about the great Lynn Byers. Dave Grady is our guest, Ralph, that you were talking about. Yes, from Go Grady Media. And he works with a guy by the name of Don Marcus. He used to write with the Baltimore Sun, now teaches at American University. I think Don's going to join us as well today. But when you think about what happened uh, in the mid-'80s with the, the whole bias story, June 19, 1986, and, uh, you know, he died just a couple of days after he um, uh, was drafted number one by the Celtics. But what happened with his death, it created such a stir among the country and the world regarding cocaine that a few weeks later, the Anti-Drug Abuse Act was created. So what Dave and Grady and Don have been able to do is create a couple of projects, uh, speak about it, talk to uh, young adults uh, about cocaine and drugs and, and making the right decision. So this is a heck of a project. With all that being said, I think we've set the table for a pretty good show. Dave Ungrady will join us from Go Grady Media and Don Marcus, formerly of the Baltimore Sun, as we look back to June of 1986 and how a legend's death affected the world. To get into sports casting, you need experience just to get your foot in the door. I can't tell you how many times in my career somebody will ask me, how do I get into your business? How do I become a sportscaster? The first thing I ask is, what have you done? Do you have any experience? And the answer is normally nothing yet. It's because they couldn't find a program that provided the real world experience that you need to get started. So I set out to create a program designed for the next wave of sportscasting talent. And my partner was an obvious one. 
Full Sail University. Great track record in entertainment and media, great alumni group, and the ability to evolve as the industry changes. We're offering a bachelor's degree that combines the professional expertise that my fellow sportscasters and I have built our careers on with the technologies shaping the world of sports. To succeed in this business, you have to be ready for what's next. But the core of great sportscasting I don't think will ever change. And this program brings it all together. Lem Bias is important today, not just for his basketball. He's important because he literally took the bullet, no pun intended. I've never, ever had anything to do with cocaine, ever. I've never been curious about it, but I'm definitely not curious about it because of what happened to my friend Lem Bias. You're listening to Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Once again, here's Ralph and Mac. Welcome into Center Court on the Winner's Circle Network. Mac McDonald with Ralph Sampson and two special guests today. Dave Ungrady is with us, a journalist, coach, public speaker, and educator. And uh, we're going to dive into the Len Bias story. We'll talk more about his company. And Ralph, a special guest and a guy that you know, he used to hang around the ACC just a little bit. Don Marcus is with us, formerly of the Baltimore Sun. He's now teaching in American, spending some time in Florida, like all of us do. So, Don, it's so uh, it's so good to see you. How did you and Dave get together? Well, it's interesting. Dave and I have known each other for I don't know, probably thirty years, something like that. And we run into run into each other at different events over the years. At uh, you know, Dave covered some golf early on and wrote for a golf publication. I did a lot of golf. But the one connection we always had is we have the same birthday. Now, now he looks it. He's a lot young. He's a lot, lot, lot younger than I am. We would, we, you know, we'd wish each other a happy birthday every year, you know, one of one or the other. So we always have that connection. And when I left the sun, sort of middle of the basketball season, February, early February 2020, he reached out to me immediately and we, you know, we wanted to do a doc. He said he was trying to work on a documentary. And, uh, you know, I saw a, a big free calendar saying, oh, that'd be interesting, you know, and I, you know, knew Dave's work. And so, and then we, you know, we, we transitioned because of COVID, we transitioned into a podcast and it's really worked out well. But I, but I am, I am jealous over, uh, uh, you guys, two of you guys in Florida were sun and fun and up here in the cold and the ice and the storm that's, that's, that's here over the last week or so. I'm a little jealous right now. Well, Dave, let's uh, dive in with you and Don. Um, we all remember, I think, if you're a basketball fan or just in the area, June 19th, 1986, a couple of days after Len was drafted by the Celtics. I'll let you pick up the story from there and we can tell where we were that day. Go ahead, Dave. Sure, before I do, I, I'm, I'm with Ralph on the weather. I'm up in the DC area and I am embracing this, whatever it's worth, guys. <laughs> I like the cold, it's invigorating. I enjoy it. Anyway, um, I was, when I found out Len died, I was actually working at the Washington Post, trying to get a job there as a reporter and I was a news aide working in the newsroom and I was trying to transition to broadcasting and volunteering as a host of a, a sports show on local access cable. So I had an audience of maybe about four or five people, but it was a way for me to learn a little bit about the business and the trade. And after we recorded a segment in the morning, uh, we go into the production room and and the reports on all the news. And, and as I mentioned to Don before, my, my instinct or my reaction wasn't, 
oh my God, Len Bias that I said, my, it was more, I'm thinking as a journalist, it's, man, this is gonna be an incredible story. And it, and it was, um, I was sad. I wasn't happy to hear about it, but journalistic instincts are a little more, you try to be removed from whatever the story is, but, uh, and it did turn out to be one hell of a story and it still is. Mm -hmm. um, I, I felt I had a connection, an indirect connection to the story. The fact that I was an athlete at Maryland in the late seventies, uh, was on the track team for part of a soccer team for part of a year and, and a member of the track team and captain of the team my senior year. So I, I, I knew a lot of people in the athletic department. And, and even when I left in Maryland in 80, I stayed in touch with a lot of them. One example is Dick Dahl, who was the athletic director when Len was there. Dick was an assistant track coach on the team when I was at Maryland. Everybody loved Dick Dahl. Dick Dahl was a first class guy, still is. Very kind hearted, very, very, uh, he's somebody you could talk to about anything. And, and I saw what it did to him personally. It really affected him in a way that's, that makes me uncomfortable just thinking about it, personally and professionally. Wow. Uh, he, he's rebounded well from it uh, over the years. But so I had that kind of connection to the story after, as it evolved and saw what it did to people. I had the connection to the university. And, it, and, and I've always, I've never forgotten about the story. Yeah, that's the story you can't really forget about. I mean, uh, you, know, you know, certain times uh, in your life, you're like, I was here when that happened, right? So uh, when it's brought up, I can remember hearing that story. And after, it was right after the draft and, you know, NBA draft and all that. Can you hear that? Like, wow, it kind of impacts your life when you start to think about it for sure. So I appreciate you guys continuing the story. I told Mac earlier, the legacy of Lynn Byers, but you know, the history and you know, the, the tragic death and whatever. I mean, I'm still really glad their story's told today because a lot of kids really need to hear that. And that's good to hear if I may interject, Ralph, because there's still a lot of people who aren't comfortable with the story. And it took uh, up until seven, eight years ago for the university to finally, I wouldn't say embrace, but accept him, his story. When my book came out in 2011, uh, the university wanted nothing to do with it. I had actually set up a, um, a signing within in the, what was in Comcast Center by the Fast Breakers, a supporters group for Maryland basketball. And the day before we were promoting it and, and uh, the day before it was going to happen, I get a call saying, Dave, they, want, they don't want you in here. You can't be in here. Oh, wow. and, that, wow. that lasted, uh, and that lasted for a few more years. And then finally he's inducted into Maryland's Athletics Hall of Fame in 2014. And that's when everything changed. And Don saw this as well. Uh, there's acceptance of his legacy to the point where December 1st, and I went to the game and it was really, it was stunning. They had a Len Bias night and they gave away thousands oh, wow. of Len, Len Bias jerseys. And, and it was to coincide with Len's induction into the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame uh, the weekend before or two weekends before. And the athletic department actually had produced in conjunction with that about a 30 minute documentary on Len's life at Maryland and his career at Maryland. So there's acceptance. I'm not saying they're embracing it, but there's, there's now acceptance. Wow. I mean, you got to start with acceptance, but in a while it took that long for mm -hmm. them to accept that and still, you know, and that's why I think you have that passion, but that long to accept it and get into the Maryland basketball hall of fame, but not only the collegiate hall of fame. So, you know, I think it was because, you know, partly because of you guys a little bit pushing that issue a little bit because if, no one would have done it. It may never happen, in my opinion. Well, Kevin Anderson was the AD at the time, and, and he told me directly that the book 
had an impact on him trying to him sort of getting there were other reasons why it happened as well but he supported it and he at one point he gave me a challenge coin when i saw him at an event and he said for the work you're doing on on not letting uh, on preserving len bias's legacy and so that's i didn't expect that that's not where i wrote the book uh i wrote the book primarily because it's a great story as most of you know and there's so much to it um and it's evolved really to the point where after the book came out and before even the thought of a documentary or this or this podcast series how do we use len's story as a teaching tool to help yes. primarily young people um i know you have a foundation ralph and and uh maybe it can it can help uh, young people that you're helping but after I wrote the book, I would go to a lot of youth basketball tournaments and set up a table and, and sell books. And I'd, I'd sell quite a few books. And after a while, people were saying, yeah, this is a cool idea. The book's, yeah, the book's pretty good, whatever. But what are you doing about it? And, and it made me think. Right. So I developed something called the Born Ready Projects and started speaking to teenagers, young adults, and primarily at recreation centers at schools. And the focus is on effective decision-making. We often hear people have to make good decisions or the right decisions, but how do you do it? So I, I've uh, contacted the Decision Education Foundation, developed a curriculum on how to, how to teach people, uh, primarily young people, how to make effective decisions. There are tools you could use or things you can do. And the Decision Education Foundation is a partner in the podcast series to the point where the last segment is going to be only about decision making. We, we've told Len's story. Here we're ending it with, okay, what are we doing with it? Here's how you make effective the right decisions. Hopefully, but that's that. That's the takeaway from all of this. I'm surprised the Len by story is not being told on a yearly basis when new athletes come into college or into high school. The Len By story is one of the better stories you can use to get an individual or team to do the right thing. I'll never forget it. And I heard the news and I couldn't believe it. I pulled over the side of the road and I cried like a I cried like a two-year-old. The Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation present Center Court with Ralph Sampson. Uplift, empower, educate. Welcome back, Center Court on the Winter Circle Network. And uh, uh, just a couple of great guys today. Don Marcus, formerly of the Baltimore Sun and Teaching in American. Dave Grady, Go Grady Media, uh, author, speaker, uh, producing this podcast series, which we're going to talk about. Don actually is uh, one of the main producers of the podcast, which we do want to talk about. It's a, a podcast all about Len Bias. Don, let's talk about your day and what happened uh, June 19th, 1986. What happened on your day? My day was interesting because I was uh, covering golf the day before on Long Island. U.S. Open had finished on Sunday. Uh, Ray Floyd had won the U.S. Open at Shinnecock. And my wife and I were about to start a, about a two-week vacation out on, you know, in the Hamptons. And I went out and played golf that morning, morning after the draft. And um, and I get back to the, we were staying at a B&B. &B, and I get sort of a very uh, convoluted message that said something about my father called my 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 uh, Mr. Bias called about my father and I said I think you have that wrong I think it was my father called about Mr. Bias Len Bias and I got back to the room and my wife was watching TV it was all over the TV you know the news by then mm -hmm. it was probably 10 11 in the morning and she said you know she said Len Bias died I said I I just heard something 
about something happened to Lynn Bias. And I said right, right away, I said, I, I bet it was drugs. And I said it because I had been doing a lot of covering the NBA. I, you know, I had covered David Thompson early in his career, a couple of years before when David had those problems. You know, John Lucas, you know, that year had had problems in, in the NBA. And, uh, you know, just the times and, and what he was doing. He was celebrating with friends. Uh, I, I, you know, I, there was nothing. That was the first year I was on the beat. Um, with, you know, covering Len Bias. I covered him as a senior, lefties last year at Maryland, obviously. Uh, I didn't get to know him really well, but he, he was, you know, I covered Chris Len, uh on a regular basis at St. John's. I covered the Big East and I had covered, I had covered Jordan, you know, quite a bit. I'm not mm -hmm. going to remember, I, I actually covered a game between, I think it was one versus two, uh, Virginia and, uh, and, and, um, and North Carolina at, at Carmichael Auditorium um you know early a couple of years before so but Len Bias I you know I thought he was every bit the player at, at least in college that Michael Jordan was and I, I used to say he was Jordan with a jump shot so after that when you know I, I transitioned went back to Baltimore back to Maryland a few days later covered the uh you know wrote wrote a wrote a piece of appreciation type piece that day about because one thing about Len is he wasn't real comfortable talking to the media by the time I started talking up, you know, covering the beat. And I thought that Boston Celtics, not just from a basketball standpoint, but just from the fact that he wouldn't have to be the guy talking to the press every after every game because you had Bird and you know DJ and, and Danny Ainge and, and Parrish and McHale and all those guys would have would have taken that role and he would have learned he would have watched them and, and grown into the role as a leader on and off the court. But he was a phenomenal I mean I can't I go back and watch the clips of him and it's just you know I it gets chills watching him not just because I know he died that day but as good as he was at the time. Yeah, I'd have been I'd have been excited to watch. I mean, I, I get chilled right now thinking about you know Chicago and the, and the Celtics playing and Bias and Jordan going against each other. Obviously, Mike had a different you know different career and had I think a different couple of gears uh, after he got into the NBA. And Land had those gears early on, and hopefully with Bird and Paris McHale and that crew, and and, and you mentioned DJ, the great Dennis Johnson, would have, would have helped him create that gear and he would not have to go to the media because Larry then was the media guy, right? But that rivalry after that, he was the next coming of that. And Birdham retired, which is always, you know, it had been Lynn Bias's team, right? And it had been crazy to watch those two guys go at it, same type of position, same type of characteristics, same type of game. So we, we miss obviously that opportunity to watch that. But I always think about that when I think about Lynn Bias and playing in the East with the Celtics and Chicago and, and Jordan as well. But my, my question you got is, you know, you guys follow him in college and you find through the opportunity to get to the NBA and the pros. And you mentioned the, the great John Lucas. I played with John Lucas as well. And uh, I, I didn't play with or against David Thompson, but you see these things pop up now in the world of sports with drugs and then going on, et cetera, et cetera. And you guys are doing this because you want to teach kids how to make decisions. What do you think some of the characteristics that you found over the years that make a kid think about drugs or what do you want to teach them today about drugs? I deal with a lot of kids all the time in my camp of the clinic, so I want to be able to take something from this interview and say, okay, what do you, you know, you should be just say no to drugs, but that wasn't really effective, right? So give me a, a couple of nuggets that I can teach kids today that will say, you know, no to drugs or how to make that decision not to do that. 
Well, I could start off uh, with one thing um, that, that I think is very helpful, Ralph. When, when you think of decision-making, there are three types of decisions. There's an in-the-moment decision, there's a significant de decision, and there are life-changing or life-shaping decisions. When people use drugs, it's most, or abuse drugs, it's mostly an in-the-moment decision. And in-the-moment decisions, you don't really have the time to think about it. You're, you're feeling peer pressure, you're with a group of people maybe you're not that very comfortable with, especially young people, and they want to fit in. And somebody says, hey, let's skip class and let's go smoke a joint or let's go snort some cocaine. And you're thinking, mm, this doesn't feel right, but it might feel good, okay? Or it, it, might, it might help me integrate or feel more comfortable in this group at some point. I will be accepted. So this is an in-the-moment decision. Uh, within the moment decisions, there's something called decision fitness. When you are, uh, when you're an athlete and you practice something and there's repetition, you develop muscle memory. We've all done this as elite athletes. Uh, you develop the technique and get comfortable with the technique by repetition to the point where you're not even thinking about it. You just react. So the best in the moment decision makers are decision fit, but there is a way to become decision fit and you, you practice you practice scenarios, you anticipate, what might I face today, tomorrow, next week? What are things that are troubling me now that maybe somebody's gonna ask me to do something I don't wanna do? As an example, if we go back to this student or this young person in high school, if someone says, hey, let's skip class and, and, and uh, let's, go do, let's go smoke a joint or, or snort a line of coke. And let's say you're a member of the basketball team. And the coach says, if you skip a class, you can't practice, you can't practice you can't play. So you can practice in your head if someone, uh, if someone uh, approaches you that way, say, hey, look, man, I can't. If I miss practice, I can't play. If I miss class, I can't practice. If I miss practice, I can't play. I just can't do it. So there are ways to prepare for this. Not every, every person, it's very hard at that age to have that awareness to do that, but you can practice to become an effective in the moment decision maker. You know, one of the things uh, we, we talked in during the podcast with Bob Wagner, his high school coach at Northwestern in mm -hmm. Hyattsville. And Wagner made the comment to Dave years ago when he was writing his book that Len could be the baddest guy in the world if he was hanging out with, you know, bad actors. And he could be the best guy in the world if he was hanging out with good kids. And that's also part of it. You know, uh, one of the people we interviewed for the podcast we found was this acclaimed poet and author named Reginald Betts. And he was an honor student, Suitland High School in PG County, not far from where Len went to, you know, in high school. And he was he was the treasurer of his school, treasurer of his senior class. He was on his way to college. And he went out one night and they and he and his friends, I, I, I don't know how involved he was in the in the decision to do it, but he was involved in the act and that they carjacked somebody. And he spent eight and a half years in prison and and sort of found in his way out and became a very successful author and poet and and really and learned about len bias he was too young to really know about bias he was several years younger but in, in 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 prison he learned who len bias was from the older inmates who sort of compared guys on the on the prison yard basketball game to len bias if they were a physical you know dominant player so it's interesting you know there's a guy who was on his way to college and he had an eight and a half year you know hiatus because he he interruption because he made one bad decision. Where did then the idea of the podcast come from? Uh, you guys were always sounded like, you know, you were working on everything. And then with the born ready project and the, uh, the book, but why did you want to step into the podcast arena? Uh, the, 
in the late uh, late 2019, uh, I just started thinking what I, as a as a high school teacher, I tried to anticipate what am I going to do um, when the, the following summer? What am I going to? How am I going to keep myself busy? What kind mm -hmm. of work can I do just to make some extra money or whatever, or to keep myself busy? I am a youth travel soccer coach, and I do that a little bit, but I was looking for something else, and I'm thinking maybe it's time to do a documentary on Lent. Uh, I know I knew the the 30 for 30 uh, ESPN doc that came out in 2009 was actually. Uh, a large inspiration for me to do the book because after I saw that documentary, I researched to see what books had been done about Len's legacy up to that point. There were a couple of books that came out in the late 80s about the immediate reaction to Len's death, mm -hmm. but nothing that captured his full legacy. And I was aware of that full legacy. Again, the connections to Marilyn, I saw what it did to people. I, at that point, I wasn't fully aware or, or enough aware about the largest impact, which we will get into in the later episode, uh, I think the most impactful episode about the federal drug legislation, the 1986 Anti-Drug Abuse Act that was passed directly as a result of his death and how that affected um, uh, uh, the urban, the black urban community for decades, put all these young black people in prison um, in, in large part. It, mm -hmm. it was a big reason for that. So, uh, I, and when I watched the 30 for 30, also I saw it only really covered until Len's death. So when I wrote the book, I wanted to cover it all. I wrote the book and then the book's out and I'm thinking, okay, what kind of documentary can we do? And, and um, uh, I started thinking about it over the next couple of months and then reached out to Don. I, I realized that Don was either gonna uh, step away or retire or, or, or slow down on his, uh, uh, or, or reduce the time in his career. And so I thought it might be something not only fun for him to do, but I knew that he would, he could really help with this in many ways. I know Don knew the story. He was he, he, he could he was very familiar with it. Plus, I knew Don knew a lot of people who could really connect us to the story. And Don was critical in that, connecting us with people. Uh, the first um, two people we talked to were uh, uh, Scott Van Pelt and Jay Billis. And we were at a Maryland, the, the, the pregame uh, hype for uh, a Maryland game at ESPN mm -hmm. game of the uh, game of the week, and both of them were there. And Don, in, in a matter of a day, I don't even well, within twelve hours, Don lined up the interviews, and we recorded it that day. And that was the start of what we thought would be a documentary. We worked through that summer. We hire, and this is also important. We hire and work with interns from the University of Maryland and from America. We wanted to get students involved in this, great broadcast those involved in broadcasting. And through the summer, we produced this, what's called the sizzle reel. We tried to get the documentary made, and we realized it was harder to raise money than we thought. So the end of 2020, I thought, okay, what, I, I'm, all these podcasts are out. Let's, I thought, let's segue to, or let's transition to podcasts. And we brought in Octagon Entertainment and talked to their production people. I knew some people there. We got connected to the right people and we decided to do the podcast and here we are. It is such a worthwhile project for sure. Dave Ungrady of Go Grady Media and Don Marcus, formerly of the Baltimore Sun, now teaching at American University. Jay Billis played against Bias for four years while at Duke. I'll never stop thinking about it. There'll, there'll never be a time when, you know, the draft, the draft passes and I won't think about, you know, Len Bias died right, right about now. The death of Bias prompted those reactions because of who he was, shortly after consuming a large amount of cocaine and suffering a heart attack. 
You're listening to Center Court with Hall of Famer Ralph Sampson. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation. Welcome back to Center Court on the Winner's Circle Network. And Dave Ungrady of Go Grady Media and Don Marcus, formerly of the Baltimore Sun, with us talking about all the, the moving parts with the Lynn Bias Project and uh, Dave's website. And Ralph, there are a lot of things happening. Well, Mac, you know, this whole story is uh, amazing. You just heard something about legislation and Democrats, Republicans, and the anti-drug stuff as well. But, you know, most people say, well, it's a basketball story, and, you know, it only has uh, a little bit of tentacles and legs. But my question to you guys, what is next? Because there's got to be something special coming out, because this story resonates with every generation, you know, every year. You hear these stories all the time where kids, uh, you know, do, do do crazy things or even NBA players or professional athletes doing crazy things. So, guys, what is next? Well, let me, let me stress, Raph, and I, I made a reference to this before. A main objective of this whole production, of what we're doing with the podcast and ultimately a, a video documentary, is, is um, life lessons, effective decision-making for teenagers and young adults. We developed, when we started the podcast, we developed something called the 34 plus one campaign. Uh, actually, before we started the documentary, 34 repre- the, uh, two years ago, and we started to work on what we thought would be the documentary, and we transitioned to the podcast first. 34 represents Len Bias, the player, the, 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 um, the superstar, the superman, uh, superior than, and, than most others. One represents Len, the person, the person who he was like all of us. We have faults. We have uh, we make mistakes, and his big mistake, and this is what his story comes down to, he made a bad decision, uh, and it impacted so many lives to, 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 to a level that many of us, and I still think of it, it still astounds me how many, how many and Jay Billis has said there are so many tentacles to this story. Mm-hmm. Um, so the 34 plus one campaign involves the documentary, I'm sorry, the podcast series, and working with Octagon Entertainment as well, we want to transition to a documentary that will focus at this point on what we feel is the most important part of the story, the impact of Len's death on federal legislation that created uh, disparity in, in prison sentences for crack versus powder cocaine uh, uh, crimes, where um, you had a hundred to one disparity against you know, powder versus crack, and it put tens of thousands of young black people in prison. It ruined uh, black families, it impacted um, black families for decades. It, it, it forced a lot of young, uh, a lot of young black children not to have a father in their lives. And, and it overcrowded federal prisons. Uh, we're going to deal with this in the podcast in about three or four episodes. I think it's the most impactful part of the segment or episode of the series. We talked to people who, who went to prison and were pardoned in this whole thing. Um, we, we may focus on that with the documentary. And then and, and we hope, I want to bring back the speaking component to this where we're reaching out to primarily teenagers and young adults. This can apply to anybody, effective decision-making, but, uh, but bring in the, the teenagers and young adults and, and, and focus on here's how you make effective decisions. Don't let one decision not only ruin your life, but ruin other lives. You know, you know one of the things uh, about bi- Len Bias is, you know, this generation, a lot of, you know, I, I teach at American University. I, I once, you know, told them what I, the students what I was doing, and I asked, you know, who, who knows who Glenn Bias is, was, and maybe one or two people heard his story. 
uh, you know, a couple of years ago when we were talking, you know, starting to do the documentary, it was during the last dance of uh, the Michael Jordan documentary uh, on ESPN that they ESPN did a three hour tribute to Len Bias called mm -hmm. Remembering Len Bias. This is 34 years after his death. Guy never played in the NBA and they're still talking about him. And, and I think that, you know, because his message, you know, is so powerful in, in all ways. I mean, this, this predates, I mean, all the stuff that happened to all these black men primarily, but, 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 uh, but black families all over the country really predates the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, that before police brutality, I mean, police brutality has always been an issue. But this, you know, toward toward blacks. But this was also an issue that really was sort of under undercovered by the media, I think, uh, until the last few years. And I think that this, again, you know, was uh, is another reason why this story is so important and and where this all began uh, be, with Len Bias's death and and politicians using their using his death as a way to get legislation and all this. So, you know, he, his legacy is, is, you know, so, in so many ways, you know, it, the basketball is just a, really a small part of it now. Uh, it really deals with society uh, as a whole. If I can add something, Mac, before we proceed, sure. sort of no. sort to put, sort of wrap up this part of the, of the story, uh, Congress is considering something called the SAFE Act, which would eliminate the disparity between crack and powder cocaine, so the penalties would be similar. And it's passed through the House. The Senate is considering it now. We, we've um, provided a lot of sound about some of the discussions that went on in the Senate hearing over the summer related to this, in that episode about this. And there is some optimism that by the end of this year, uh, the Senate will um, approve it and President Biden would sign it, but it's not guaranteed. There's also a lot of skepticism that the Senate will actually uh, vote, it in, vote this bill in. So there is some optimism, but it's, it's um, sort of guarded optimism that this disparity may ultimately be wiped out. Wow. You know, in getting to know Ralph in the early 80s, and when I think about the decade of the 80s, and of course the, the bias story was part of the 80s, the 80s was pretty simple. No one and duns, no name, image, likeness. It seemed pretty innocent. You know, students played basketball. They stayed in school, at their school. Uh, and there were, there were, as we've been saying through the, the whole podcast, there were just so many avenues that this story took as we jumped into the 90s. Let's throw it to Ralph if we can. Sure. Ralph, how did you see it affected or impacted the NBA? The attitudes, because we've talked to some NBA players and people within the NBA, they didn't think it affected the mentality of the NBA players too much. Initially, they did some things in the orientation programs that we're going to discuss in the podcast as well. But as well, but please share your thoughts about how NBA players reacted to this. Good question. Yeah, no, I mean to 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 all this, whatever. I mean, it it, it it's amazing because you know I've I've seen it live with, uh, like I said, family members. I've seen it live playing with players that. That, that went 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 out on drugs. I mean, every time you went to Oakland, uh, a player, you know, uh, went to hang out because Oakland wasn't one of those cities, and you, you you know you would catch a guy there and see the NBA, and then the players association would get involved. So you you see a lot. So I mean, I think it's impactful what you guys are doing. But the the biggest thing there, you said, as you said, it had impacted a lot of people 
of all races across the world, right, with drugs and drug abuse and habits, especially in the professional athlete world. But what the magnitude is, it's affected the kids and the kids' kids of, of those people that have done it. And the great John Lucas, which I know I could go into 18 million stories with him because I played with him, uh, but what he's done in that market to to help people, he actually helped my cousin as well, you know, get all the drugs. But what he's done and bring his kids up and do the thing that he's done has been amazing. It's amazing story. So maybe you can incorporate him in your documentary because I think he has a lot of stuff to say in this and personally and or, you know, educationally as well. But for us athletes, it impacted in a way where, you know, another guy, another athlete, you know, the same story. Uh, I've seen better basketball players on the street of Harrisonburg, Virginia, and around the country than ever did the NBA. But the drugs had impacted them as well. Um, and and most of them either uh, have gone to jail uh, for, you know, a crack cocaine and legislation that's going to be passed or, you know, a, a third strike and you're going, you know, for life and all that kind of stuff as well. So that's a whole other show to me at this point, <laughs> but there's a lot of things that can be said about that because of the rules and the regulations and the fact and imprisonment of, you know, people that do drugs, um, you know, get slapped on the wrist and then some people do it and don't get slapped on the wrist. So it's a lot more to that. I think we'll say that for another, another, another time when we get to the legislation that gets passed and I look forward to bringing you guys back and let's talk about it again for sure and have a special show about that. And, Don, i got to thank you being one of those hard-nosed sports writers, a very, very good writer for the Baltimore Sun. I've got to think that this is a very rewarding project for you as well. I've said recently it could end up – I've done some – you know, I I did a story about Juan Dixon. It just Mm -hmm. happened – you know, he he told me – he told me about it one day when he was coaching at UDC, finding his natural father after all those years where he thought his father was – the, you know, one, you know, his parents died from, uh, you know, AIDS, and that became the, the sort of the narrative of the story of Maryland. Mm-hmm. And that was a really important story to tell. But this, this, you know, supersedes that. I mean, this probably is the most important story, most, most important project I've worked on in my entire career. And it came after, you know, when I thought my career was winding down. And all <laughs> of a sudden, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's it's not and uh, and and the you know the other interesting thing is um, you know I I had no you know I barely listened to podcasts up until the pandemic and I found myself walking as an exercise because uh, you know my hoops game was shut down and my you know tennis game was shut down and whatever especially during the winter and and I found interesting podcasts to listen to and so I really sort of got a feel for what goes into a podcast and. Uh, and you know, for to do this now, I, I actually I'll I'll get some street cred from my students. Like, okay, this old professor has you know he's <laughs> he's up to date. He's not writing anymore, but he's now doing podcasts. So uh, so I, I think that really is going to be fun going back the semester with with this project out and having them you know hopefully maybe I have a stu- an assignment where they review podcasts, so maybe they'll review our podcast. Uh, that's great, and that's what happens with old guys. We we go to Florida and then find something else to do. So. Um, that's right. Uh, Dave and Grady, Don Marcus, can't thank you enough. And we'll have to get, we'd love to have you back. And people can go to go Grady 
media.com is the website Correct. and they mm -hmm. can learn all about the books the the project of course the 34 plus one and and also the um you know the other uh, project with uh, len bias and then as far as the the podcast like ralph i mean spotify and itunes mm -hmm. you can find it and Correct. start and you can go back and find all the episodes and start the series which i highly highly recommend it's it's terrific i've been following you for a long time Thank you, Mac. And, and if I could yeah. add also, we're going to be releasing one segment a week through early March. There will be episodes. There will be, uh, a, there will be at least a dozen. Um, so there, there's still a lot more to come. Once again, go to gogradymedia.com. It's that simple. Gogradymedia.com. And you can find out about the podcast and the project and all of the books. It's all right there. Thanks, Ralph. Thanks, Mac. Don Marcus, Dave Ungrady. And by the way, Go to the website and order the book, Born Ready, The Mixed Legacy of Len Bias. That's where it all starts. This is Center Court. Ralph and I return right after this. Hi, this is Mac McDonald, host of Center Court. I've known Ralph Sampson for over 40 years. I watched him grow as a basketball player, achieving greatness at the University of Virginia and at the professional level. I always admired his work ethic and the things he did to be the best. Since he founded the Sampson Family Foundation, so many people, young and old, have benefited from Ralph's efforts. The mission for the foundation is simple, striving to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. The foundation promotes charitable and community input, educational development, health and fitness, and scholarship opportunities. The Samson Family Foundation's initiatives focus on patients with cancer, educational scholarship programs, and give students guidance in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. If you'd like to learn more, call 540-615-5097. The website is samsonfamilyfoundation.org. Uplift, empower, educate, it takes teamwork to make the dream work. This is Santa Court on the Winter Circle Network. And Ralph, that was a pretty special uh, discussion with uh, Don Marcus, formerly of the Baltimore Sun, and Dave Ungrady of Go Grady Media, who launched uh, a podcast all about Len Bias. And uh, it was about a year ago when, when he launched it. But boy, a lot of great information and just a lot of wonderful things they're doing for the education of our youth. Mac, you know, that's it's a lot of lessons in Lynn Bias' story, right? Not only from being a, you know, where he came from or University of Maryland athlete and headed to the NBA, but the tragic accident that happened with, you know, some drug abuse or things that was going away. That story's ever, I mean, it, it can continue for life. So that hopefully we'll let people know. And I'm so glad he keeps this uh, legacy alive because, that story needs to be told over and over again, almost pretty much every year, because there's a kid out there that needs to hear that story. You know, Ralph, it got me to thinking, because with your basketball camps and all the, I mean, you do a lot of speaking, and I know from camps, what is your message to kids? Well, Mac, you know, it used to be uh, just say no to drugs. I mean, that used to be the one message over the years that they transcended, but you got to give them real stories. And, and the, some of the real stories I give them is my own experiences from my own, some family members, some people I know, uh, people I play with. We, we, we went down back to the finals in the NBA with no point guards because of drugs. Mm -hmm. And we played the Lakers and we played the Celtics, whatever. We had, to, we had our point guards. We had to beat the Celtics in the finals, I do believe. But we, they went out on drugs. So that whole, that whole thing created opportunity, which now in the NBA is called point forward. Oh, about so, that. you know, LeBron would have been a power forward or a small forward. Now he's a point forward. So Robert Reed, Ryan McCray, and those, those guys, we just band together, and we said we just got to make it happen one way or another. But 
I tell those stories, or at least my stories, about how I experienced it. And, you know, when I was young, my, my mother sent me with my cousin to Boston to see another cousin in jail that was doing drugs or wow. on drugs or whatever it be. I'm like, okay, never want to end up that way. And I can still tell you that I've never done any drugs in my life, never will. I never smoked anything, never will. And then, you know, so you see that live, and then you have to understand how it affects you as a person, but also other people around you. Yeah, interesting stuff. And boy, the 80s was full of it. Uh, anyway, a lot of lessons to be learned, and especially from the Len Bias story as well. All right, well, let's transition real quick. I know you're getting excited about February 8th. Hey, Stick, that's going to be here before you know it. Yeah, Mac, I'm, you know, I'm getting a little bit more excited. I stopped by the location restaurant every now and then. And uh, it's just kind of crazy to watch now construction and, you know, lighting and wiring and stuff coming up and uh, things are just happening, you know, really quick. And to see the plant now become real life is pretty exciting. Ralph Sampson's American Tap House is getting closer brick by brick, light bulb by light bulb. He's Ralph Sampson. I'm Mac McDonald. That's Center Court for this week. Ralph, I hope you have a good week. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Center Court is a presentation of the Winner's Circle Network. You've been listening to Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Our podcast is available on the Believe Network at BLEAV.com. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation. For more information, log on to SampsonFamilyFoundation.org. Uplift. Empower. Educate. Teamwork makes the dream work. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.